0: Welcome into Technically Speaking here on LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. And on this episode, we're checking out a company called Instacart. It's an on-demand delivery company, and we're going to talk with Matthew Caldwell, their head of talent, and he's going to let us know what sets Instacart apart in the ever-growing on-demand industry. Matthew, thanks a lot for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I look forward to chatting with you.
0: Well, before we jump into some of the details about Instacart and kind of the on-demand community. I wanted you to just describe for the listeners a little bit about the basic functions of Instacart, so they have an idea of exactly what you're all about.
1: Yeah, so uh, what we do is we allow individuals, customers, to uh, order items from the brands that they trust and that they love and have them delivered to their door in as little as an hour. Uh, What happens is customers go online, either on their phone or on a computer, and they place an order through Instacart. Many one of their favorite stores. It could be a store that's uh, nearby. It could be you know a store that is a national store or it could be a local. Uh, we have many popular national chains like Whole Foods and Costco and Petco. Mm-hmm. many regional uh, retailers in the, in the area that uh, might be localized to specific areas. And we connect each customer of ours to a personal shopper who then handpicks their items and then we uh, facilitate delivery to their house.
0: Very cool. I know when I brought up the subject to some of my colleagues here, they were willing to pay lots of money for a service like that. And we'll get into some of those details I said as we move forward a little bit. Uh, I did want to ask, what was the inspiration behind the creation of Instacart? I understand there are other you know, on-demand type services out there, but was there a particular reason or a particular thing that kind of set in motion the idea of Instacart?
1: Yeah, well, you know... A few years ago, you could pretty much uh, you could go online and you could pretty much order just about anything you could imagine uh, online, everything except groceries. And really, our our founder he really didn't understand that. He couldn't understand why that was the case. And so uh, he actually decided to start Instacart. And he was a he was an engineer in the past uh, by mm-hmm. trade. And so what he ended up doing is he started writing code for the first version of the app. And then when that app was ready, he himself placed the first order. Uh, and then uh, what what he did is he I was also our first shopper. He went out to the shop, <laughs> and, and he went to the grocery store, picked the groceries himself, and then he was also our first uh, delivery person, and he delivered the groceries to the first customer, which was also him. So uh, <laughs> it was uh, an inspiration that came about just off of kind of like, why is this not something that is being done? And let me see if I can actually uh, do this in a way that makes sense.
0: Well, it's cool giving us that little uh, inside story there as far as the initial startup portion of it. Can you give us a little bit of the process of what it takes to really build that startup. As you said, it started with basically just him doing all this stuff, but what are some of the steps after that, that allows uh, a company like Instacart to be successful?
1: Well, you know, as with any startup, it it moves very, very fast, Mm -hmm. extremely rapid pace. And and we uh, at Instacart are also growing at a very, uh, very quick, very rapid pace. Uh, We're now in 16 cities uh, across the country. Most recently, most recently, we launched in Miami, okay. uh, and we're now continuously expanding and focusing on uh, penetrating deeper and, and, and more market penetration within our existing cities. We now have dozens of retail partners, and we are even, because of the growth, uh, really the excitement of the organization and all of the growth uh, from a corporate perspective, we're actually outgrowing our headquarters in San Francisco. Uh, we've had to take on some temporary space because we are growing so fast. But we're excited about the fact that uh, in August, late August, early September, we're going to be moving our headquarters to another location in downtown San Francisco. Nice. So it's really a really super exciting place for us. But for for me particularly, being uh, you know overseeing HR and recruiting, one of the really important things about a place like this that's growing this fast is is finding out a way to maintain uh, the culture here. Mm-hmm. We have several core values. Uh, a lot of those core values are. Core values you might find in an organization that uh, is uh, driven um, and does a lot of things maybe isn't always known for having the best culture. Um, but the first two core values in our org- uh, for every person that we bring into the organization are what really is the most important core values for us and actually what uh, main helps us maintain our core our culture. And the first one is customer focus. Everything we do has to be focused on our customers. So me in HR, a policy I put in place or we put in place within uh, in HR. If the policy we put in place doesn't make our employees happy, that could impact our customers. Hmm. Or from a recruiting perspective, if I screen in uh, an employee and say, yes, we should hire them, and they actually end up being a terrible employee and they do some things that uh, are bad for our customer, that impacts our customer. So everything that every single one of us does must be focused on the customer first. And then the the second, you know, so that really, you know, that puts someone ahead of yourself. uh, That kind of makes us all focused on the same goal. And then the second most important uh, core value is humility. Um, That's pretty self-explanatory. It's not really something you have to explain. It is something you can actually see pretty quickly when you talk to individuals. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at every single person we bring into the organization, we want them to be top performers. We want them to be people who have demonstrated the ability to do amazing things. But if they have that, if they are top performers and they have demonstrated the ability to do amazing things, and they're not humble and they're not focused on the customer, we we won't move them forward in the process because that is how important it is for us.
0: Well, it's interesting you bring up you know, the ideas of culture and recruiting, because I know a lot of people listening are thinking, well, I, I thought this was kind of one of those sharing communities where you, know, you have the on-demand aspect of it, but then you have independent people who are going out and performing the tasks. I'm sure you know people can list off a, a number of other organizations that do that. How do you describe how Instacart runs it as far as having full-time employees, part-time employees, or employing, quote-unquote, those independent people who go out and also run those tasks?
1: The reality is is that uh, we, we hear from our shoppers that what they value the most is flexibility. Mm-hmm. The contract model does uh, allow that. I have been a contractor, actually spent uh, several years as a contractor in my career. And one of the things I appreciate about that model is it does allow flexibility. So it is something that, is something that we hear continuously from our shoppers that uh, that contract model is something they like. But we also recently announced the option uh, for our in-store shoppers to become part-time employees. And really, that kind of ties in with uh, what we talked about about customer focus. Mm-hmm. You know, as as we've grown, uh, we've continued to learn what makes the best experience for the customers, and we're continuously looking for ways to improve everything we do. And what we see is that it's very difficult to actually be you know, uh, shopping for. It's, it's very difficult to shop for groceries. You know, if you pick up a package or you pick up a person and you deliver from one place to another, you know, one item, two items, one person, two person. That's not very complex. Sure. When you have to think about uh, a customer who puts in an order that maybe has 25 different things it's very complex. And so in order to make sure that our customers have the best experience possible, we need to be able to uh, mentor and train uh, the individuals who do the shopping so that they can be as accurate and as efficient as possible because this job really is just much more complicated than many of the other on-demand jobs that are out there. And so that's why we have given the option for the in-store shoppers to be part-time employees. But again, these individuals also have uh, a lot of flexibility in their schedule. There's not any minimum number of hours that they, uh, they're going to be required to work. And they have a, a lot of flexibility as well being part-time employees of the company.
0: I was reading a few things, obviously, in prepping for the interview, and I saw a couple of times a mention of Amazon being an influence for Instacart. Can you describe a little bit for the listeners how Amazon, not necessarily directly influences or maybe it was, but what sort of impact that had on the creation of Instacart or how you guys run things?
1: Yeah, well, actually, so uh, our founder, uh, I mentioned that he was an engineer. He was a supply chain engineer at Amazon. And, uh, you know, one of the things that he appreciated and learned from there uh, is something that I talked about earlier is the focus on the customer. Um, And so Amazon has, uh, you know, that focus is something that we also appreciate and value. And so when we look at, uh, you know, putting our customer first and every action that we make is, is to enhance their experience, it's something that resonates within our organization all the way to the point where, Most recently, we had an all-company retreat here in San Francisco, and we actually named the retreat uh, after our number one non-corporate customer. She was uh, an individual who had spent the most amount of money with us, and been one of our longest tenure customers. Uh, We named the retreat after her, um, and then we actually brought in a panel of customers to the organization, to the actual retreat, so that they could talk to the organization. And these weren't all just super happy customers. These were customers at all various stages of you know, use, uh, usage of, in, of Instacart and you know, had ideas about what we should do and shouldn't do and maybe where, where we should invest more of our efforts. Uh, and then at the same time during that retreat, every single employee from our founder, our CEO, all the way to the entire organization went out and shopped. We went out and actually took a customer's order did the shopping, did the picking, and then delivered it. And then we also shadowed, uh, every single of our our employees shadowed the customer happiness team to kind of get an understanding of what type of issues typically come up uh, from a customer perspective. And we're always trying to learn. And actually, out of that retreat, one of the things that came up is that every quarter, every single employee has to go out and has to shop because that's the way we really get to understand how our service impacts uh, our customers uh, in the way that uh, we want it to impact them.
0: Speaking of that, I'm curious about the technology that's used, obviously, with this uh, podcast that we talk about a little bit of the technical side of things. What are people using as far as the technology side? How does it all work as far as the process of the ordering and making sure they know what they can select or how they can select it? Give us a little breakdown of how that all works.
1: Yeah, I mean, so um, as I mentioned, you know, a customer has a very vast selection of things that they can choose when they make the order. So they, they put their order in then it shows up uh, with the shopper. And the reality is, as I mentioned earlier, grocery shopping is a very difficult thing to do. Right. You know, when, when you think about picking produce, um, you know, there, how many tomatoes are there? I, 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 I'm actually <laughs> still surprised how many tomatoes there are and how many, you know, and they, they look very similar, and yet they're very different. If a customer wants one, even though it might look almost the same as another one, that's a difficult thing to do. Then you have breakable things like items, and then you have things that could melt or things that need to stay refrigerated. As, as shoppers, anyone who's actually gone out to the grocery store, you know that there's all these decisions that have to be made. And you also understand that that experience when you go to the store and you've kind of got this hankering for something you really want. Like, I want this one thing and I can't wait to get to the store and get it. And then you show up and it's not there. That creates more complexity. So there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. uh, And there's a lot of adaptation that has to be done in the process from our our shoppers. And so our technology, uh, it allows our shoppers to be really not only just efficient and effective, but it empowers them to be able to make better decisions on behalf of the customers when They do encounter a situation where there might be seven different tomatoes and and six of them look identical. uh, Or there might be something that the customer ordered that is not in stock. And how do they make a decision that is going to be most beneficial for the customer for uh, replacements of those items?
0: So is there something with that where they can contact the customer then or some sort of messaging system? Or how does it work if there is sort of that disconnect or something goes awry, so to speak?
1: Yeah, yeah. When when there's a situation where an item is not in stock. So say you ordered some Granny Smith apple and they're out of Granny Smith apples. They can put down what they want as a substitution. And then they can also put down do they want to be text messaged or do they want to be phone do they want us to call them? So they have the option of having a text message or a phone call from our shopper to confirm that we're going to make these changes in the order, and whether it's a replacement um, or if they don't have anything, do they want a refund? So that is an option that uh, the customers have. They have the ability to turn that on or turn that off, uh, being connected that way or having substitutions just automatically put in their order.
0: Well, all this stuff is very fascinating, and I can see, and I think all the listeners can understand the value in stuff like this, especially as people are busy or they just don't want to take the time to go do stuff like that. In terms of this on-demand culture, which obviously Instacart is a part of, Do you see companies like yours impacting businesses and industries in different ways, whether it be on the positive side, on a negative side? I mean, how do you sort of see the entire culture of on-demand industries in your view? The
1: One thing I think that on-demand offers is it really offers flexibility. It offers flexibility for workers and it offers flexibility for customers. You know, when you think about our schedules today, they're getting busier and busier. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, your working parents or, you know, working professional, you have a very busy schedule and it oftentimes becomes hard to plan. And so when, when you think about that, individuals love the ability to make an order suddenly like, hey, you know what? I realized I, I don't have anything at home today uh, for dinner when I head home from the, uh, the office. And rather than spend uh, two hours going grocery shopping or even an hour going grocery shopping, uh, I'd rather spend that time with my family and my kids. So I'm just going to put an order in right now and it'll be be there when I get home, or it'll be there shortly after I get home. It allows that flexibility of the customer to be able to get what they want, when they want. And that's actually something that is unique about uh, Instacart, as opposed to a lot of these other on-demand organizations. A lot of these other on-demand organizations, they actually say they're same day, and same day is not the same thing as on-demand. Uh, for us, it truly is on-demand. We're, we're delivering things in one to two hours, uh, and, and the vast majority of our customers choose that one to two hour option. We also allow you to schedule and get things the next day if you want, but the vast majority of our customers want that on-demand, one to two-hour option. And the other thing is, it offers workers the ability to have that flexibility, like we talked about earlier. That you know, if they're a student, uh, if there's somebody who only has like three or four hours in the middle of the day and they want to, you know, go and earn some money, uh, there's that flexibility that they can work when they want and uh, in a schedule that is convenient for them. So in a lot of ways this on demand economy is is we're all learning we're all we're all improving and we're all figuring out uh, how to be as effective and efficient as possible at it but it's it's clear that customers want it and workers want it
0: Matthew, some good stuff uh, talking about Instacart and the on-demand community as a whole. I appreciate you coming on sharing with us today. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. That will officially wrap things up here on this edition of Technically Speaking. Again, we are speaking with Matthew Caldwell, the head of talent over at Instacart, an on-demand delivery company that uh, hey, maybe you should check out if you don't like to go grocery shopping like I know I don't at all. If you'd like to get in touch with us about this show or any of our episodes, send us an email. You can send it to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also send us a message on Twitter, at the LJN, and you can find all of our shows on iTunes. Just search LJN Radio in the iTunes store. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.